0: Welcome to the Eastern Current Saltwater Fishing Podcast presented by Florida Fishing Products. We've got a super unique and awesome episode for y'all today that I'm really excited about. We chat with Captain Ben of Keeping It Real Fishing out of Dutch Harbor, Alaska. He fishes the Aleutian Island chain for giant halibut, giant cod, and so much more. We have a great conversation talking about his unique and very untouched fishery. It made me very jealous to say the least and I know y'all will love listening to this episode. Hope y'all enjoy. If you're like us here at Eastern Current, your boat trailer takes a beating. That's why we want to tell you about Coastal Trailer Repair, located here in Wilmington, North Carolina. At Coastal Trailer Repair, they strive to bring quality work at a reasonable price, specializing in trailer hubs, springs, and all things electrical and wiring. If you have an issue with your trailer, look no further than Coastal Trailer Repair to get you back on the road. You can find their information in the podcast show notes. Captain Ben, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I've been excited to have you on, um, watched uh, some videos of y'all's fishery with my son, and just excited to chat about something different than what I get to chat about a lot. So thanks, thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, thanks for reaching out. It's always cool to do something different like this, for sure, for us.
0: Absolutely. So tell people before we get in, usually I'll do a whole backstory, which I want to do, but tell everyone like where you're located and, and the waters that you fish kind of before we get into your actual backstory of fishing.
1: Okay. Yeah. So we're located in the Aleutian chain. We live on what's called Unalaska Island. I'm sure. Most of the world knows it as Dutch Harbor from the deadliest catch, but Dutch Harbor is only a Harbor. It's not the town or anything. It's just the Harbor gotcha. it's on Alaska. And yeah, we have, little to no competition for fishing out here compared to the rest of alaska so it's just less pressure and like i said before we've only seen two recreational boats fishing since 2016 for we fish so
0: (laughs) it's nice yeah that is that is super cool so how how large are your fishing grounds like how how far are y'all you know how much area are y'all covering essentially
1: so it really depends what the weather's doing. We haven't been, I think we've only canceled maybe two charters for weather since yeah, 2016. But we usually try to go through what's called Yolnaga Pass, which is probably like a 25, 30-mile run, depending which spot we're fishing that day. Yeah. But the pass depends on any day. I've seen it with like 13 knots of current running through there. So wow. it could be a variable day with 10 to 12-footers in the pass
0: golly that's crazy that is crazy now if you can't yeah. make it through that pass you still have some fishing grounds in, on the inside essentially
1: uh well, be we, you can always make it through the pass just depending which way it's going yeah. which way it's flowing one side or the other of the path gotcha and it's just yeah it's, you know, like it looks really bad going up to it like a lot of our customers get a little nervous <laughs> but then you just you hug one rock or the other and you're fine.
0: That's cool. That's super cool. So before we dive too much into, into NDL's charter business and why not, take us through your backstory, you know, kind of how you fell in love with fishing and how it's brought you to where you are now and, and what you're doing now. All
1: right. Yeah. So I actually, I grew up in Massachusetts and then my dad just, he we always had a boat. And then I think I was in fifth. Grade the fifth or sixth grade. When I told him I was taking it out into the bay, go catch schoolie striped bass, and we took it thirty miles to t Town and caught a bluefin on a spinning rod, and came <laughs> back at six yeah, a.m. came back to the harbor at three a.m.
0: Oh my goodness! And, Did you get to use the boat again after yeah. that, or were you grounded from it a little bit?
1: Uh, we, he was. He was really mad. Then he saw the fish, and then he was like, "Well, I guess he's fine now to take it out. Just don't lie to him anymore <laughs> much."
0: That's awesome. That is a cool, cool story there for sure. So
1: after that, we just started first summer job, We commercial striped bass, bluefish, sea bass up there in Massachusetts. And it just kept getting bigger. And then we ended up doing commercial bluefin, which is a really, really different fishery. Yeah. But uh, I knew I didn't want to go to a normal college and there was a maritime academy Massachusetts Maritime Academy it was like 20 minutes down the road from my house. Yeah. I actually got accepted there before my first day of senior year of high school. So all I had to do was pass all those classes. That's awesome. And that, and that's where I met my wife, Asia, who actually owns Keep better real. So we went to the same school and she actually ended up taking a job. She grew up in Alaska. But she ended up taking a job back here after we got out of school. And then we moved back. And that's kind of how we got where we are today.
0: That's awesome. So th- when you moved back up there, were y'all straight into guiding trips, guiding fishing trips?
1: Yeah. So we were living in Seattle for a couple of years. And then we'd always be back for the summer to do the trip. And we had everything was, it was really good. We started off really good. And then obviously COVID messed up everything for everybody and we weren't any different to that i think we had 40 plus charters books for the first summer and it was 100 percent cancellation for us
0: golly that yeah, that, yeah was, that's brutal
1: it was, yeah it was rough because back we had we actually had a down payment on a new it was going to be a 35 foot north river walk around we had the town payment everything the build was about to start, and then COVID hit, so those plans kind of took a tumble.
0: Yeah, that's tough. That's the one time that I've been jeal- not jealous, because I've always, I, I before I was married, I travel and guided. I'd, I'd guide in in Montana a little bit and spend the winters in Louisiana, um, and always jealous of those destination fisheries because where I live in in North Carolina, we've got great local clientele. We've got really good, you know, summer tourism. Um, during COVID it actually helped us because we lived near so many people that could just get out of their house and drive and come fish for the day all my buddies that were in those destination areas really struggled and so it was kind of a a flip of the coin for those couple of years but um, hopefully now we're back to normal and everybody will succeed everybody will get those trips but um, but yeah I can imagine getting all the way to where y'all are would be really tough and scary for people you know as COVID had just started
1: yeah and then I think you needed you needed to have two tests two negative tests just to fly into anchorage Then like to do a local i think it was like 10 day quarantine maybe when it started yeah we did have a group, of, we did a group of four guys that were going to come and fish for like a week and then like the night before two of them tested positive
0: oh gosh that's so we,
1: yeah we really didn't do much during covid we uh we do this thing where we, there's a local uh, fish count station yeah. that the yeah. uh, native tribe does. So we do resupplies for them every week. And that's just, they're, they're counting all the sockeye that run up into the lake pretty much. Yeah. So that was about all yeah. during COVID for the two years.
0: Yeah. that. So what exactly does it take to get to y'all? So if someone's wanting to fly up and, and come fish your area, what are the steps as far as travel go to get to you?
1: So either it's really it's just it's an extra plane ride. So any every time you fly to Alaska you're gonna fly into Anchorage and then from Anchorage you're gonna fly to wherever you want in southeast or southwest. So you fly into Anchorage and then it's you take either it's uh Raven Airlines or Lucian Airlines.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And you you take that to Dutch Harbor. It's gotcha. just an extra flight. Yeah,
0: is it yeah, it's not Is that a full like a, a full size plane? Is that a is that a float plane or what does that look like?
1: Uh no, they're not full size. I think Raven holds. Raven might hold twenty five people, and Aleutian might hold forty people.
0: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That's cool. They're,
1: yeah, they're just they're prop planes. They're nothing, nothing special,
0: for sure. So when does y'all's uh, y'all's fishing season? Maybe not your charter business, but when does the fishing kind of start and pick up there for y'all in, in the out of Dutch Harbor?
1: I'd say it really depends on the year. Like we've had years that we've started early in May because the fish has just moved in shallow early is what it is. Yeah. But I would say overall we, we like to start beginning of June and then the fishing just gets better and better from there. It's a safe bet for us with our customers that everyone will get fish.
0: Yeah. When does that season run till for y'all?
1: I think we're doing till, I think we're doing June, July and August because I have to go back on the ship in September. Gotcha. I think we'll just be doing the three months this year, but that's the nice thing about my job. I've been with the company on that for eight years and I've never worked a summer.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, that works out really well. Yeah, for sure. And it's good to just have that, that extra bit of stability as a guide and especially living in a very seasonal area to have another job to, to fill through the winter. Um, it's a long, long one up there. So, how, how, what are your temperatures and everything like throughout the summer fishing up there?
1: Uh, I mean, if it's, I, I always say it's sweatshirt and pants weather. That's, that's the what it best usually weather. Is yeah, 100%. And we've had days when it's 80, but I mean, that's few and far between. Right. I'd say average 60, 65. But that's, I mean, that's, I like the weather. You're not sweating and it's nice. Profession,
0: at least absolutely yeah I, I i'm always looking forward to that because golly where i am from the from mid-may through the end of september i'm sweating through my clothes every time my boat comes off plane so <laughs> it's pretty much how it works you'll, you'll cool off when you're running to another spot sometimes you just have to go for a run just to cool off but it's uh it gets hot it gets, the still days are so nice for the sight fishing that we do but man you get so hot just sweating you got to take your sunglasses off constantly and defog them and put them back on a little bit different than up there, but to, uh, walk me through what y'all target up there. What, what kind of fish y'all have and, and uh, what y'all end up targeting on an average guide day.
1: So whatever we've every single customer that comes here, everyone just wants to do halibut. Yeah. But then how comes that halibut and the cod are always usually in the same area. And there is like, it's, Pretty much just the shoreline that we fish. It's a really steep contour, and we just have to find where they're sitting that day. And once you find where the halibut are sitting, you keep keep doing the drift over and over. And then, but with that, the problem with that is that people actually get their limits usually in like the first two or three hours of the charter. And And yeah. they're like, what do we do now? So we can go into the uh, kelp, and we everyone calls it something different, like. I think in Southeast everyone calls them rock bass. We just call them black bass here. Yeah. But we use super light tackle and they literally, you can dig the whole school up to the boat. People really like doing that. And then we've actually been catching lingcod out here, which according to fish and game, they, they aren't out here. So there's actually <laughs> no for them. So that's interesting.
0: Yeah, that, that is interesting.
1: Yeah, and then uh, another one that's really good—it's just deeper—is the, deeper the uh, yellow-eyed mapper. It's pretty much—it just looks like a big goldfish. It's just a super deep-water fish, and uh, actually has some of the best sashimi. Actually, oh, that's what we awesome. usually
0: talk—that's so awesome. our
1: thing—is like we just try to target the fish in shallower waters. I can't—I can't stand watching videos of people with twenty customers on everyone has five pounds of lead fishing in 800 feet of water. Yeah. It's,
0: it's, yeah, that's it's fun. a lot, it's a lot of work and it's not, it's not as fun. The shallower, the lighter, the tackle you can use, the more you can kind of be an angler, if you will.
1: Yeah. I mean, our jigs are 18 and 20 ounce You're and heavier. They're Travala rods, but we use them for jigging for bluefin on the East coast and you can dig with them all day and you won't get tired. Yeah.
0: That's super cool. So one thing I noticed it, it, in the videos I've watched, are y'all mostly all artificial? Yeah. So
1: we actually, I, I was just talking to, uh, I'm sure you've heard of them. Blue water candy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're in from, North Carolina. They're right here.
1: Yeah. So that's actually where we get our stuff from. Nice. I was just talking cool. to them. Yeah. And it just, we don't, they just fish better than bait. It's just, mostly a reaction bite that we get out of all of the fish and sometimes like you'll hook a halibut it's kind of like behind where the head is and it's because the fish just sees the jig and lays on it because it doesn't want to eat it till later and then you'll kind of <laughs> snag them but still just that reaction
0: yeah for sure that's that's it that's super interesting the the yeah, halibut i've never caught a halibut but i i i mean i'm I like, like any dumb person from the South, I just, I'm like, Oh, it's must just be like a big flounder, but they seem, you know, they seem similar and they're definitely structure oriented. It seems like, but do you, do you find those fish definitely always on structure? Is that, is that, a, is that a thing?
1: Yeah. So we have like, there's depending on the weather, if we have to go West, which is opposite of the, where that pass is, we fish boulder fields out West. Gotcha. And the fish are all on the structure up there and then the other place is really just more fishing the contour and finding where they're laying because we fish it comes up from 600 feet and then you're fishing a contour from 80 down to that depth and they're always just somewhere on that contour depending on the day.
0: That's cool and you said the cod are mixed in what what is the the average size class of the halibut and cod that y'all are catching on artificial and maybe compared to some of the other more common areas that people are targeting those in Alaska. How do y'all kind of rank up against that?
1: Yeah. So I, for cod, we probably average 12 to 15 pounds of cod and you can, there's no limit on cod here. You can keep as many of those as you want. Like I prefer personally prefer eating cod over halibut, just flakier and I think it cooks better. And then for halibut, we have to average 50 pounds for the fish that we keep. Gotcha. And it's funny, like how you said, you saw the Luke's video from the outdoor boys. Yeah. Like the years he's, the last few years he's come, like I would like, his, the fishing was good in the videos, but it wasn't like an amazing day. That's, just, that's kind of bad to say, but that's a pretty like, I do not say below average for us, but it was still a little early in
0: the season. Yeah, it looked like y'all were just catching fish after, like, the at least the cod fishing looked insane, like, lots of those big cod, because I've watched so many, it's always, for me, I love just watching, like, I don't, I don't enjoy sitting down and watching, like, red fishing videos, or trout fishing videos, like, if I watch fishing, I like watching stuff that I don't get to do, like, the grass is always greener, right, you're, you're seeing what other people are doing, that little bit of FOMO and jealousy kicks in, and and whatnot, but, but yeah, just, if that's a below average day, then I just need to hang it up here in North Carolina and maybe find another <laughs> job.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, if people just want to codfish, you could, it's the second the jig hits the bottom, you could do it all for the whole eight hour charter if you really wanted to. And we do have uh we have these smaller Daiwa, I think they're called Tacona reels. Okay. which mostly we let the kids and like older clients use. But then we'll be like halfway through the day and I will be like, can we use those? Like you guys have caught 150 fish. I think you're doing just fine.
0: <laughs> that is funny. Being on the water day in and day out throughout the season, our boats take a beating. Whether we need fiberglass work, new non-skid, hole painting, rigging, and electrical, or full-blown custom restoration, Brock Boatworks has you covered specializing in high-end skiffs bay boats and center consoles their attention to detail and customer service ensures that you have the work done right the first time so you don't have to get it done again you can find their information in the podcast show notes what's the uh what's the biggest halibut that y'all have, y'all have caught there
1: uh so it was actually my wife asia she got i think it was 215 two Golly. summers ago yeah, and she, she did good. She got it in like 15 minutes. It's a pretty quick fight.
0: With those cod and halibut, are you worried about snagging up and breaking off? Like, are they trying to get you back down into the structure? Or if you hook them, you're pretty clean?
1: Uh, where we fish, we're pretty clean. There are some spots that,
0: because it's, so we
1: kind of try to fish where our bigger problem isn't direct people, it's the commercial boats. Yeah. Because there is a lot of long mines that people lose in the area. So if you can get on a drift and you can have all four people snag up and it's like, Oh, that's great. All those jigs are gone. But just from fishing the area, we kind of know where to stay away from now. Right. But overall, it's not really an issue for us. Luckily.
0: Yeah. That's nice. That's super nice. So walk me through, you kind of touched on a little bit. If cod, let's just talk cod and halibut at first when you're, you're talking about kind of drifting for them. What does it look like to kind of set up and and present those baits to those fish? How how are you going about doing that?
1: So usually we can take up to six people. We, the perfect number is four for sure.
0: Absolutely. Anything
1: more than that, the lines will get a little crowded, which people don't really mind rotating. They're big groups, but we'll have four people jigging, so you'll drop down. And we always have, like, the customers crank up one or two cranks off the bottom. And then I usually take a bigger jig and just thump it off the bottom because it kind of seems like that attracts more fish just from the cloud because we've sent – we actually put, like, a camera on the line and sent it down a couple years ago,
0: Uh
1: and it's crystal clear out here, this water. 200 feet down so they can see everything so if you're thumping something off the bottom they're going to see it for sure but once someone hooks up usually who's ever on the same side we have them reel up and try to keep the other two people fishing if we can just try to avoid tangles
0: yeah that that totally makes sense so you're you're cranking it up off the bottom a crank or two and is it just kind of just a steady hop just hopping that jig creating some movement
1: yeah it's you're just up and down, and sometimes like we have our our buddy Danny Boy, who's our uh, deck hand for most of the summer. I swear he catches more fish just sitting there holding the rod or sticking it in the rod holder, like a lot of customers do. like it's not it's really not rocket science fishing, you're bottom fishing. You want to say as long as you're in the right depth, we've had older we've had 65 year old customers who outfished everyone on the boat and they was in the rod holder the whole entire
0: day. (laughs) That's awesome. They see all these other jigs hopping around. They're like, well, this one looks a lot easier to eat. I'm just going to swim over and eat this one that's sitting still. Yeah, that's cool. For
1: sure. And it's really just depends. Every day is kind of different, but it's always the same area for us. And it's fun fishing. Everyone takes at least a drift or two to get it figured out, but everyone gets pretty dialed in pretty quick.
0: Now, does it get technical as far as, like, color goes and and the style of soft plastic that you're using? Have you seen that, like, play any type of difference into the cod and into the halibut?
1: So, we, uh, so when I first started coming out here in 2016, there was no herring. I'd never, like, I obviously I knew herring from the East Coast for tuna fishing, but my father-in-law has been out here for 30-plus years, and he said the herring fishery out here used to be one of the biggest in the States, and then there was nothing. But over the last five years, we've seen the herring just come back stronger and stronger. So there's acres of herring now during the summer. Wow. So we just stick with white.
0: Yeah, that's, that's perfect.
1: Because when we cut them open, that's what they're mostly eating is the herring. The white seems to work the best for us.
0: That's so cool. And it, it, is a, it is a soft plastic. You're running off those, those big jig heads, right?
1: Yeah, it is just a soft plastic. We don't – Danny, the deckhand, will sometimes – throw a piece of bait on his but i think that's just from years of growing up using bait yeah we i will i think it makes the action different if you put a big chunk of bait on there so we're just running 20 ounce big heads with those soft plastics
0: that's crazy that's uh yeah that's cool it's it just shows like you imagine what every fishery on the east and west coast would have been like 100 years ago without the pressure I mean anglers overall like fishermen and anglers overall have just gotten exponentially better not only are there more but with all the modern electronics and and everything like it's so much easier to be very successful than it was years ago and so you, you imagine I imagine that so many fisheries would would be Like, like what you're still able to see up there. And even like the, when I was guiding in Alaska, like the, the waters that were maybe a lot more trafficked and I was fishing all inshore stuff, but, um, and still seeing such a, such a huge, you know, difference in, in how active the fishery was and how productive a fishery was based off of areas that are so much more populated. So it's, I I always find myself daydreaming of, you know, what our fishery once was and, and wishing I could have seen it like that, but. It's, it's cool no, to I, talk to someone who's in a place that still kind of has what it used to be.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is especially out here. It's just, it's like a lot of our customers, they're repeat customers, and they just do the trip every year to Homer, and they're like, yeah, if we're lucky if we can get like a 20-pound halibut. And it's, and it's like, I don't think we would, we've ever kept a 20-pound halibut here.
0: Yeah, that's crazy.
1: Like, I flew when he was the first time he came. I made him throw back like a fifty pounder. He's like, "Dude, that's the biggest halibut I've ever caught." I was like, (laughs) "Oh, so you wanted a picture with that one? Like, we'll get a bigger one."
0: That's funny. Yeah, I've I've learned over the years guiding that I I never downplay a fish until you've heard what your client has to say about it first. I've made that mistake before. Um. I've made it on days, too, where we're catching lots of little redfish. And I'm like, oh, you know, these are little guys. We're going to catch bigger ones than this. And then we just catch little redfish the whole time. And they would have been stoked on those little redfish because they didn't know the difference. But it's, uh, it, it I've, I've put my foot in my mouth many times, if you will.
1: Well, we had a lot of people when we go in and do that black bass. Because they're up to, I don't know, you get like an eight-pound black bass. That's huge. But people will do that for hours. And they're like, we should could have just done this all day. We didn't have to go halibut fishing. Like, <laughs> I know, but they're only eight pounds. They're like, dude, there's a thousand fish under the boat.
0: That's but so it's cool. Just,
1: it's, it's just these things people don't see, and it's kind of an everyday thing for us out here.
0: Yeah, you start to kind of take, maybe not take it for granted, but it loses the lure that it once was when maybe you first found it or get to experience it. That's the cool thing about fishing is like it, 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 you can try all these new different there's just there's always something else to try, another way to catch them, a different type of fish to go after, and it's it can be special. But yeah, like just, wherever you are, you know that you kind of just get into the routine of what you're doing, and, and maybe it loses its luster a little bit. But it's cool to have clients that can remind you, oh wait, this is really cool. You know, people don't get to see this all the time.
1: Yeah, and especially growing up fishing on the East Coast, we had to do so many different things. to for commercial fishing for striped bass depending where they were time of year and all that and then coming out here this is a whole new fishery for me because we rarely bottom fish like i used to dig up caught on george's bank for bluefin fishing that was about the extent of my bottom fishing on the East coast
0: right right it's uh it, it's cool it's it, it, that's what has been one of my favorite parts about this podcast is just chatting with lots of different people in different areas about their fishery and kind of you can learn something from everybody that even if you don't have the same type of fish or even the same type of water, you know, you can take back and, and apply to your fishery in a different way or look at something in a different light and kind of kind of learn from it in a, in a sense. But I'm curious about the black bass because in the videos I've watched of y'all fishing up there, uh, that does look super fun. What what all can you catch those fish on? What what do people, like, because I'm, I'm imagining that the black bass fishing like that is not the same in other areas. So, like, what is what? How do people standardly catch those? And then, how is it so different for y'all?
1: It's usually digging for them, but I don't like Luke, the outdoor boys. He said he went to I forget where it was, it was somewhere in southeast, and he tried to do a video of him just spear fishing a black bass. Uh-huh. And he said he saw two in like ten hours of being in the water. And we're wow. just we're using super light their uh, their Nexus rods. Uh-huh. They're made by uh, digging world on the east coast yeah, I think yeah. out New Jersey. and uh, i think we have 10 pound braid on there and it's just anything shiny they'll eat a hook too i mean you could do that they're not very picky by yeah. any means because no, there isn't cool. even here in a lot of alaska there's a commercial fishery for them but there's no one out of dutch that does that commercially so it's a cra- you can do it. Kind of in any kelp bed here. You can go and catch them like that.
0: Have you had They're any success to- like with top water or anything like that? If you're getting them right up by the boat,
1: yeah. So we act- we have used bass lures before because it's literally be the whole school will come all the way to the boat and stay with you in the kelp. So you can use whatever you would like to. <laughs>
0: That's so fun. Sounds like the perfect fish or fishery for getting a kid into it.
1: Yeah. We uh that's actually the first fish my daughter caught when she was like one and a half, I think.
0: That's awesome. Does your daughter how old is your daughter now?
1: Uh we have a three year old and then an eleven month old.
0: Nice. We've got a, a three and a half yeah. and a one and a half over here. So we got to actually have another one another one on the way, uh in oh, early May. So we'll have three. Thank you. Thank you. And it's been fun. Nice. To- my uh, three year old's like really getting into fishing now, which is super cool. So it kind of lights a whole new fire for it when, when your kid, when you can go re experience all these things with your kid, it, it adds a new element to it for sure.
1: Yeah, we got to bring both. I think our daughter was Blakely's the young one, and
0: she must have been
1: three, two or three months old when we were trolling for Winter Kings. And we got our first one, and she's just sleeping in there on the bed. That's so it's awesome. fun. One thing out here that we get to do, which is different than the East Coast, we get to do subsistence gill netting uh-huh. for salmon during the summer, which for me, only time I ever gill netted was pogies for bait, pretty much. Right. But it's super fun out here to do that.
0: Yeah, it's it super cool. It's
1: just it's a healthy, healthy meal that we we probably eat salmon two to three times a week still.
0: Yeah, that, that's awesome. And to be able to go out there and provide the food for you for the for this year is super neat and, and something that so many people would love to have the opportunity to do and just don't have the resource around them. You know, here a lot of people can do it with deer, but to be able to harvest fish and, you know, mammals to sustain you through this, through a season, through a year is pretty cool. Something I've always been very jealous of.
1: It is a very cool thing to do for sure.
0: Do you do any other types of, uh, hunting or fishing there as well, besides what you're doing on your charter business? Uh,
1: we, my father-in-law so there's uh rain there's a couple of herds of like reindeer Uh on the aleutian Islands, and it's owned by different corporations or different whoever like the locals but our friend danny's from azka and they do he's a hunting guide for them so my father-in-law is a welder so he went out to azka to do a job for the city and he got to harvest i think he got seven or eight reindeer
0: that's awesome.
1: And took a couple of steps to home and then gave the rest of the community.
0: That's super cool. Yeah, and that's, it's a super, super
1: lean meat. It's crazy how soft it is. Yeah. It's really no, it, good, but it's.
0: I've always heard that's that.
1: That's another I,
0: plane. Sorry, I totally interrupted you there. What were you saying?
1: It's just it's another plane ride that's farther west gotcha. than where we
0: are. gotcha, so, gotcha. Now you were talking about the that y'all get the salmon and stuff in the summer. Is that anything you ever target on on your trips?
1: I think we've taken one group of clients king fishing, but and even the king fishing, just it depends on the year. We haven't had a really strong run of kings in two or three years. Our silver salmon fishing in the rivers in end of July, early August is probably some of the best in the state. Nobody does it. Yeah, but so you can catch your limit of two, two per person, so two casts and you'll be done.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that is uh, and it's crazy. It's just it's you know Alaska feels so far away to someone like me on the East Coast, but then you get to Alaska and yeah, it can be a little crowded. But you're you're in the uncrowded part of a very uncrowded area, based off of if you're looking at the rest of the country. So that that just shows you know these more untouched fisheries how. How well they can do when they're less tampered with by humans, essentially.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent. There used to be a uh, a fly in fly fishing setup. It, it was out in Volcano Bay, which is like forty five miles west of where we were. Okay. Where, where, where we were and I guess that was a
0: super cool
1: setup. And then it just fell off, and no one picked it back up again. Gotcha. But I've never even seen the river out there. I'm sure it, it has to be phenomenal
0: fishing no yeah. one
1: ever ever fishes
0: here. that's cool that would be a fun trip go get someone to drop you off on a float plane and spend a couple of days out there figuring it out and picking it apart do y'all have rainbows yeah. and and dolly varden and grayling and whatnot up in those rivers as well or any steelhead
1: yeah we get steelhead and all the dolly Bartons and all that our daughter likes to try to catch them with her hands
0: every year in the river <laughs> that's because
1: awesome. like our our house and our mother-in-law's house there's a river running right through the back that they play in pretty much all summer long
0: that's awesome that's that sounds super cool i'm gonna definitely i already told my wife before we even did this podcast i was like i'm gonna go up there and fish them take the boys up there one day we're gonna wait we, we've always <laughs> talked about an alaska trip and 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 uh it's it's something we want to wait wait and do with them when they're a little bit older and can really enjoy it and remember it a little bit but um, but yeah, that's just, yeah. that sounds super cool. So I'm a big, I, I really like to waterfowl hunt as well. And and I follow some of the hunting that goes on up there in the Aleutian Islands. Is there any of that right out of where you are? Waterfowl hunting? Uh, uh
1: there, there are a lot of ducks. There's a lot of, uh, what do they call it? Emperor geese here. Yeah. But we don't like our, my, so besides sailing on like the freighters, I work with like the longshore union up here.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So the winter months are kind of the busy months. Yeah for everyone it sounds but we don't really have that much free time during the winter i've never been but i'm sure the waterfowl hunting is very good
0: yeah that's cool that is really really cool so um if people want to we'll kind of we'll wrap this up here if people want to book a book a not a hunt we're just talking about hunting if people want to book a fishing trip with you what's the best way for them to to keep up with you to reach out to you what's your website and everything so
1: we have the Instagram has a lot of pictures and then the web- website is keeping a real charters unlimited and everything. We do have like a and a on there uh, tells you which airlines to take. We have a hotel out here to stay at grocery store. Cause we've had customers ask if they have to bring their own food out here to eat. Gotcha. I think they're flying out. to the, think they're flying to the end of the world.
0: <laughs> That's pretty, but pretty fun. Website, but the I-
1: website, the has most of the information, and we'll take calls. We, have, we talk to um, probably 80% of people that before they actually book charters.
0: Right, right. That's cool, yeah.
1: It's fine. It has questions. and it, is, it seems like a big trip in the beginning, but my mom from Massachusetts has flown out here at least eight times now, and it's, it's nothing to her anymore.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's so easy now with how, how smooth airlines go. Um, and I'm also going to link the video that I watched to first find y'all and uh, in the show notes, so people can watch that as well and kind of just see what we're talking about, how incredible of a fishery it is. And not to mention, this is something I want to touch on too, just the wildlife that y'all see day to day. And this is me just totally stalking through Instagram and YouTube, but what are some of the other things that y'all see that people really enjoy when, on, on a day on the water out there?
1: so we do, we do do a lot of whale watching charters, which is just in the bay here, that's a five minute ride from the, from the Harbor. We do birding charters for, it's called the Whiskered Aquit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It's a big, in the birding world, it's a big deal. I know that. Cause a lot of people will ride, a lot of birders ride the Alaskan ferry and then it ends in Alaska and then they all hop on with us. And that's just like the, the big bird of the
0: whole trip. Everyone says, that's cool. Are they' pretty common there. You the, see a lot of them.
1: They live, they live on one set of islands. They don't go anywhere else. Wow, so it's pretty easy. To, yeah, they they are in the same spot every single year.
0: That is cool. Do they migrate? I, I'm guessing they've got to leave in, during the winter and go somewhere else.
1: Yeah, they do migrate, but they're they're not as awfully big birds. That's the problem for getting the photos that everyone wants. So they'll do a full day charter because they feed in currents. So they'll pop up for air and then dive back down. So they'll take a couple thousand pictures for five good pictures at the end of the day.
0: Wow. That's crazy. Do you all have uh, uh, King eiders up there? Do you all see King eiders?
1: Yep. We do have King eiders, And then we have Puffins. And we have Puffs and Puffins. We've, we've done charters just to go look at Puffins. And people <laughs> have yeah, five. But where they do the, uh, the fish count yeah. in the same bay have an island, a little island that they all live on, so you can go out there and there's thousands of them and just the scenery out there there's a couple coves that are just it's a sheer 90 degree face that we can pull into, and there's waterfalls that come in and it's just beautiful you won't see it anywhere else
0: that's super neat well i'm I'm coming to see you someday. I, I hope that uh, some of our listeners are intrigued as well, and I would love to honestly maybe try to put together a hosted trip with you one day and bring some clients out there. Do y'all have more than one boat or y'all running just one boat or what does that, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, we're just running one boat for now. And then we have to see, we've always wanted to get a bigger boat, but we just need to get everything financially figured out for it.
0: Oh, for sure. Cause we're getting,
1: <laughs> thanks the cruise ship industry is starting to pick up out here. So I think there's, 20 to 25 cruise ships coming in the summer. Gotcha. With in Southeast, that's how a lot of guys make most of their money for the year. They're building million dollar catamarans and taking 40 people out for a sightseeing tour at a time.
0: Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That would yeah. be, that, that'd, that'd be a moneymaker for sure. Being able to go do that yeah, so we, and add a little fishing to it, a little bird watching, some whale watching kind of round your trip out. No, no real pressure anywhere. You can kind of just, get to get a little taste of each, each thing there.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think we'll do whatever people want. Some people, it's easy enough with the fishing. You can do a half day of fishing and a half day of sightseeing. We'll work with whatever people want to do.
0: That's cool. Thank you. Well, man, thank you so much for jumping on and chatting with me. Um, super intrigued by your fishery and just how cool that area is out there. It seems to be one of the last few untouched, untouched fisheries even in alaska and and just really cool to chat with you and hear your story so i I do appreciate you hopping on
1: yeah i do appreciate you giving us the call it's very fun to do a podcast my first one and it is uh it is a different world out here coming from the east coast it's hard to explain until you really take the trip out here
0: for sure Well, man, like I said, I appreciate it. You guys, thanks for listening to another Eastern Current episode. Uh, As always, we appreciate y'all, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks. Bye.